Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Hey, everybody. I've been doing uh, some training for a few groups of people on sales. And uh, while I can't do a complete sales training here, <laughs> I can give you some information that, that uh, kind of came up in uh, all these trainings that I've been doing that I think you would find very valuable. Um, and I think I can cover it in, uh, in 30 minutes. If for some reason I can't, uh, <coughs> I'll end up doing another podcast on it in the near future. And if you want more information on it, please feel free to contact us. I'd be happy to, uh, uh, to let you know what your options are to do that. But so here's so here's the thing. So it's I've been doing these sales trainings. Uh, I've done sales trainings for 20 years. And in the sales training, um, I teach this area about the psychology of sales, what's actually going on with the person, what's actually going on with yourself. And here, here's something I've kind of enhanced in the, in the training that I wanted to share with everybody. When you're in a sales situation, you have to understand something that's extremely important that I think if a person knew right up front when they first started learning sales, it would, it would really help them speed up uh, their skill set much, much quicker. And for people that struggle with sales... Once you understand this, it's literally going to help straighten your sales out quite a bit, quite a bit, and it'll, and it'll allow you to get to mastery a lot faster also. So the first thing is this. Every single thing that you say, every noise that you make with your mouth, if you're actually in a sales situation where the person can see you, like maybe you're doing a Zoom call or you're face-to-face, whatever that might be, but every single thing that you do, causes a psychological reaction, a physical reaction in your the, the person that you're presenting to or the person that you're attempting to sell, your, your potential client. And I mean everything that you do. So when we are, when we're in a situation where we're in a sales conversation, one of the first things that we need to understand is that we're not trying to get somebody to buy something. What we're trying to do is to get them to a place where they're very conscious about whether or not they do want to buy something from you, and they're very clear about their yes or they're very clear about their no. In order to do that, the person, the the potential prospect, has to be very clear in their thinking. And this is where I see so many amateur salespeople really get this wrong because they come to i'm going to i'm going to use for the, for just the sake of this of this podcast i'm going to just say call but understand that it could be call it could be a zoom call it could be face to face it could be any kind of a sales situation but i'm going to use phone call so they come to the phone call and they don't understand that basically everything that they're saying, doing all the noises that they're making in their mouth, with their mouth or their nose, uh, if there's any if there's any noise in the background, all of these things cause the other person's brain to react. And when we're when we're we're in a sales conversation, the whole idea is that the person is is really thinking based on the questions that you're asking as it pertains to 
whether or not they want your product or service. Um, almost an entire sales call really should be questions. So let's look at the psychology behind this. When you tell somebody something, you cause a reaction in their mind. And also, you most likely, in most people, will, will cause, even if it's just a little bit, a little bit of resistance or defensiveness when somebody is told something. I mean, I'm telling you human behavior here, okay? This is not like a big trauma in a person's life or something. But when a person is told something, very often, there is a, just a little bit of pushback psychologically in that person's mind. When somebody asks you a question, first and foremost, we're programmed to answer the question. Um, we've been asked questions our whole life. So we don't think to ourselves, should I answer this question? Unless it, you're like in a, in a police lineup or something like that. But in the everyday, every, on the average every day, when we're asked questions, we automatically go into thinking about how we're going to answer the question, not whether or not we should answer it. So, so first understand the pro, a person is programmed to answer a question. When you ask a person a question, the person is voluntarily telling you what the answer is. They don't sit there and think to themselves, this person's doing something to me or they're causing me to think something that I don't want to think. There's no defensiveness around it. There's no resistance. They, they're, whatever information they're giving you, they're volunteering that information. This starts off in the beginning of a sales conversation when you ask a person what is it that they really want. What you begin to create is what we call an integrity stack. An integrity stack is where a person is volunteering information based on the questions that you're asking during this sales call, and they're answering them as honest as they possibly can. This is very important to know because when you get to the end of the call, you have somebody who has shared something that's meaningful about themselves and what they want with you, no matter what it is that you're selling. Now, if you get into this conversation, or let's let's just start with the beginning of the conversation. When you show up for a sales call, first of all, you should spend just a couple of minutes making sure you're centered, making sure that you're grounded, that you, you're not in any kind of emotional upheaval. You're not thinking about what you were doing five minutes before this call. Um, you're not worried about anything. You're not coming from a mindset of you think that you, you absolutely have to close this call or you're not going to eat this month. It really should be with the idea of how can I help the potential sale the best that I can. That's, that's from an ethical perspective, based on your product or service, that's what you should be thinking about the individual that you're about to have a sales conversation with. The other thing that you should be aware of is that you have to control the entire conversation because this is really about a person submitting to authority. Now, I'm not talking about this from like some power trip or anything like that. This is the psychology about what's happening in this conversation. When we are perceived as authority and we're asking questions, a person is going to answer those questions. Authority is never going to enter their mind. But what they're actually doing is they're submitting to answering the question. So when I say this, don't think about a power trip in your head because that's not what it is. It's understanding based on how a person is raised and their model of the world, how they're actually showing up to answer a question. 
So you have to make sure that when you show up to actually do the call, that you're coming from a place of authority, right? You're, you literally see yourself as an authority on your product or service. And you handle yourself in a very professional way. That means that when you, when you get on this call, you're not going to talk about what you were just doing. You're not going to talk about the weather. You're not going to talk about the sports team. You're going to very specifically talk about the reason that you're on this call. So you may, you may answer the phone. It's your 2 o'clock sales call, and John is, is calling you. And you answer the phone, and you say, hi, this is David, or whatever your name is. Hi, John. Uh, nice to talk to you. You know, if you remember... The reason that we're having this call is because last Thursday uh, you went through my webinar or you responded to my marketing or you were a referral from somebody else and we agreed to have this call. You're going to bring their mind back to whatever your last point of contact was with this person to actually set up the call. Now, why are we doing that? We're doing that because not only do you not want to bring any weird energy to this phone call, we have no way of knowing what this person was doing five minutes, let alone 30 seconds before they got on the phone with you. They could have just got the worst news of their life. They could have just had a fight with their spouse or a fight with their boss, or they could have gotten bad news or even exciting news, which would cause their mind to be distracted from what you're talking about. So in order to control the way that they're thinking, uh, and actually a better word would be to direct their thinking, um, is to bring their mind, to cause their mind to think about the reason that they're on the call in the first place. And then once we bring the person in that direction, the next question is what we're going to ask, and of course this is all based on what your product or service actually is, but you're going to ask the person, what do you really want? Now, at this point, what's really important about this is that when you ask a question, you need to be silent. And this is where I see so many people make such terrible mistakes in the call because they feel like when the other person's talking, they need to give some kind of a verbal agreement, right? So they'll be going, yes, uh-huh, I understand, okay, that makes sense. Or they'll be sniffing or going, mm-hmm, uh-huh. And you have to, back to the first rule, every single noise you make causes a reaction in the other person's mind. So if this person's telling you something about what they want and you're going, yep, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh, or any version of that, you're disrupting their thought process when you're doing it. Now, for those of you that think that it's rude or you need to be interacting with someone that way, you have to realize that something very important, a sales conversation is not a normal conversation that you would have with somebody about absolutely anything else. This is a very highly targeted, directed call that has a very specific purpose that requires a person to be very present in their thought process if you have any hope of having the outcome be favorable to both of you, okay? So, if you're making any noise, you're distracting this person's thought process and they're not getting 
to the answer of the most important question in this call, which is the very first question of what is it that does this person want? Now, what does that pertain to? It pertains to what do they want as far as a product or service, or what do they want as far as an outcome with their product or service? It has to be, of course, tailored to what you sell and what your outcome is. But in general, that's the question that is asked. Now, let's say you ask this question where you say, John, tell me what it is that you that you really want. And they go, you know, I really, I don't know. I'm not sure. Your response after a, after a little bit of a pause should be, if you did know, what would it be? Or that's okay. Just sit with the question for, for a minute. What is it that you really want? You can't budge off of your position because if you budge off of your position, the person is no longer thinking about what they want. They've actually deflected back to you. You're kind of on the back foot at this point. You're trying to rearrange your thought process. Who knows what you're saying at this point, but you're not getting to the answer of the most important question in this call, which is what does the person want? It is so imperative that you find out what this person wants before you proceed to any other part of this call because it will allow the rest of the call to go really, really well no matter what it is. It will also help when you shorten the length of, of sales calls. Just, I just wanted to throw that out there. So, so let's think for a second. Let's say you say to the person, so John, tell me what it is that you really want. And uh, they say, well, you know what I would really like is I would really like to make a lot more money. Your respond would be, okay, that's great. Tell me about that or tell me more about that. Um, it would not be so why do you want more money, John? So you could buy a car or a house or you could take a trip or whatever. You do not want to seed, to interject your thought process of what they could possibly want the money for or anything else into this conversation. Because when you do that, if you say, oh, so do you want money because you want to buy a house or you want to buy a car or do you want to take a trip or is it for your kid's college? If you start doing that, they will start responding to the statements that you're actually making about what you think the money's for. What's more important is that you find out what they want the money for. It's not about what you think they should want it for either. It's what they really do want it for. So then you would, all you would simply say is, great, tell me more about that. What do you want the money for? And then you, and then it's quiet again. You go silent. You don't make noises. Now, the, one of the difficulties that I see for people at this part of the call is they want to hurry because when you're asking these questions, you have to realize we're actually going against the way we were taught to have a conversation. In many cases, you could actually directly relate the way we're having this conversation to breaking values that the middle class and the working class people uh, carry to very high esteem. Like you don't ask people about money. You don't pry into a person's life. You're not rude. And by being rude, it could be asking an intimate question or a personal question. Not that you're like rude in your tone, but in the question that you're actually asking by a lot of people could be viewed in normal conversation is rude or improper or, you know, not respectful or whatever. In this conversation, it is extremely important. But if you have any of that value system in you, you have to remember that the, 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 
the amount of being uncomfortable that you're probably feeling at this point of the conversation is due to you've got a value conflict going on. So you don't want to rush this, but your tendency will be to want to rush it. You want to sit there with this person for as long as it takes in order to find out what they really want. And you will know that you've really hit on what they want or you're really close when you see a change in tone, when you see a change in emotion, whether it's sadness or excitement or a combination of both. When you start to really click into what this person is really looking for as far as a product or an outcome of a service or outcome of a product, you're going to know it because you're going to see a complete change in that person's demeanor or that person's tone. Only then, after you sit with it for a little bit, which I'm going to show you how to do, would you go on to the next question? So when you sit with it for a little bit, let's say the person says, listen, I really want to make more money because the thing that means the most to me is that I can send my kids to college, right? So then you would say, so, John, let me make sure I'm hearing you right. The thing that means the most to you is that you can send your kids to college. Is that true? Now, when you repeat that back to them, you're repeating the exact words that they're speaking to you, and you're not changing them at all. I'll give you an example. Let's say John wants to buy a blue Buick, and they say to you, well, what I would really like the money for is I want to buy a blue Buick. You would not say, John, let me see if I hear you right. So you want the money so that you can buy a car. You would not say that to them. And here's why from a psychological perspective. If, I, if you tell me you want to buy a blue Buick and I repeat back to you that you just told me that you want to buy a car, your mind will go, well, actually, I said a, a blue Buick, not a car, but I get, what you're, I get what you're doing. That is a complete distraction in this person's mind. You've taken them off of the very, uh, the very narrow road that they're going down in order to access what they really want inside of them. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, why is this so important? Here's the reason. Because probably 99% of the world's population is not raised in a way where they're taught that it's okay for them to want what they want, let alone ask for what they want. So very often when you're talking about something like this, it's difficult for a person to get there emotionally. Now, you may have a person that has no problem with it from the very first moment of the call. You might say, what do you want? They'll be like, here's exactly what I want. Here's why I want it. That's great. That's great. But I guarantee you in your career, that will not be most of your conversations. So the better your skill is at this and really understanding the psychology of another individual, the better off that you are. And if you're thinking to yourself, are there, are there crossover benefits to this in other conversations? Absolutely they are. Because when you ask questions this direct and you really be quiet and you listen, very rarely does anybody have people in their life that listen to them that intently. Now, what does this do for you? Well, psychologically, when a person is experiencing you that way, they're putting you in the part of their mind that would trust you, that would consider you an asset to them. It definitely would not be a trigger or a defensive posture or a resistant posture, okay? At, at worst, it would just be neutral, Okay, so the idea is that we're understanding the psychology of the person that we're talking to, and we're not doing anything to create psychological alarm bells in their mind from a reactive perspective. 
where they would then start to shut down. Because if they start to shut down or once they start to shut down, trying to open them back up again to get to what it is that they really want is very difficult. If you're thinking to yourself, well, what about corporations? I work with I work with people in corporate. This won't work for them. That's that's absolutely incorrect. It works for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're selling pencils or caskets or tombstones or cars or washing machines or airplanes or yachts. It does not matter what you're selling. This works. And the reason it works is that it's it's not some slick trick. It's understanding human behavior. It's also understanding that if you can get to the real reason, first with clarity about what a person wants and then why they want it, um, that is the true reason of why they want something. I see as a, tr- a terrible mistake by so many salespeople that a salesperson will literally think to themselves, this person should want my product or service because of my reasons. And rarely does a person buy things because, because of your reasons. It should never be about your reasons. It should be about their reasons and their reasons only. And we need to take the time and we need to have the patience to be able to sit there with that person until we get to the real reasons that they actually want to buy something. Now, another part of this call up to this part that's extremely difficult for people is that you have to remain silent while they're talking. And you have to get very comfortable in sitting in that silence with another person. You might think to yourself, well, what do I do if they're not saying anything? You sit there in the silence, and if that silence starts to go for an kind of an extraordinary long period of time, the only thing that you would do different is to repeat the question again. So, John, remember, tell me what it is that you want. What do you really want here, right? And you're and think about how I'm saying it. Listen, listen to my voice when I ask this question. John, tell me what it is that you really want here. Tell me what it is that you really want today. Tell me what it really is that you want out of this. So I'm asking it, I have a, I have a solid tone, it's a direct tone, but it's soft enough, and it has a permissiveness to it, meaning that it's giving a person total permission in their mind to answer the question. Now, what, let me explain what that means. Human beings learn first tonally, then linguistically. When, when we're first born, we don't even understand language. But we do understand tone. We understand the softness of a tone or the harshness of a tone, primarily because the one of the very first fears that we're born with, well, we're only born with two fears, the fear of falling and loud noises, is that anything that would trigger a startle response in, the, in the, a little baby is not going to be perceived well by the little baby. But something that's soft and accepting and opening in the tone that a parent's using will allow that child to feel warm and fuzzy, you know, on the inside. It's later that we start to understand language. But if you think about people that you know, um, all you have to do is see them and you'll know if something is wrong. And we have tones that are very similar all over the world that express when a person's in pain, when a person's in urgency, when a person's afraid, when a person's mortified by something, when a person's excited, we can tell all of those things and even when way more just by understanding the tone in which a person says anything. 
And you can say all different kinds of things to people um, and ask all different questions. Is And if the tone is right, it really opens them up to going to a place where they want to tell you what they want. Now, the whole idea that you're even on the phone with somebody is a psychological maneuver and direction to begin with. Because it, what a business is trying to do is it's trying to get people to react and respond in a way uh, where, they're, where they're positive about the product or service that they're offering. So they're doing something. They're doing marketing. They're doing advertising. They're doing direct sales. They might be doing some kind of a reach out through social media or the phone or, or whatever in order to get some kind of a response. And when a person is setting up a call with you, where they're voluntarily getting on the phone with you, that is a kind of response based on them showing some interest in what it is that you're offering. So when you do the beginning of the call and you remind them why they're doing this, you're bringing them right back to the reason, the emotion, the idea, the thought process of what was going through their mind when they actually decided that they wanted to engage with you about your your product or service. That is putting you in a position of authority right off the bat. Is it a huge position of authority? That really would depend on what you're selling. Now, if you think to yourself for a second, uh, what would be a huge position of authority? Well, let's say you had a heart attack or a stroke or you know, you cut your half your arm off in a bandsaw or something and they were rushing you to the emergency room, you would see the person, you would see that doctor in a position of authority. You would listen to what that person was telling you because you know that you're in some kind of a life or death situation. So the idea is based on the urgency, the natural urgency in which a person wants your product or service really will kind of determine the amount of authority that they perceive you in. So, however, you can do it if you're selling pencils. You just have to know the right conversation to actually be having with a person. So when you understand the psychology behind this and what people are actually doing and how they respond, even if you're working for a company or you've created sales scripts or whatever, you can go back and kind of read them and understand and ask yourself, is there anything in this that would cause another person to have a psychological, a mental, emotional experience that I would not want them to have based on the idea of trying to elicit as much information as I could in order to move them to the place where they're either saying, yes, I want to buy or no, this is not something that I want to do. Because ultimately, that's the idea that we're after. Do not listen to people that are telling you to try to turn every no into a yes, right? That is an impulsive buy, and it will cause a terrible customer and it'll cause a terrible client for you. And that's what elicits refunds. It's what elicits people giving you bad reviews. It's what elicits people having buyer's remorse. When you do it in a way where you're really getting down to what the person seriously wants, if you can fulfill that want or a desire, you probably have a client for life as long as you don't screw up the delivery. Another piece about this that's so really important is that it then shows you where you need to work on your business in order to lift it up in all areas. If a person's saying, no, I got to convert it, I got to convert it, I have to convert it, generally they're telling you that because they don't have that many people to talk to 
or they don't have that many people to contact. So that'll tell you that the front-end marketing in their business needs to improve so that they don't have that problem. If you're in a place where you're like, I have to, I have to, have to convert people, you're not thinking about their best interest. You're thinking about your best interest. And I promise you, in, in business and life, that will come back and it will bite you in the ass every single time. If you just take the time to really study and understand the psychology of what your potential client is doing, and you learn to control yourself and bring yourself calmly, uh, clearly, and in, a, and in an authoritative way with, with, a, with a really nice tone to a call or any situation, you'll see your sales begin to skyrocket because you're not spending time talking about things that don't matter. You're not distracting a person's thought process without even knowing it, not understanding why you can't get them to buy. I mean, very often a person can't buy because they can't find any reason inside of themselves that makes sense to buy. And that's because the salesperson is talking about everything that, that than what they should be talking about in order to have a person clearly directed in their mind as to whether they actually want something or not. This is a beautiful process. It will help you build a multi-million dollar company. Uh, if there's anybody that wants further help about that, don't hesitate to contact our, our company. You can, uh, you can send an email to Sarah at davidnagel.com. She'd be happy to talk to you about uh, how you could actually learn this further uh, with us. But in the, in the, in the in best case scenario, listen, the idea is that you learn to control yourself on these calls so that you're not actually um, making a sale a worse experience uh, when it could actually be a better experience. You master yourself, you master the sales process, which is actually very easy. It just takes a little bit of thought because it doesn't really come natural to most people to do this. And you'll watch your scale, your, you'll watch your sales uh, skyrocket. It's been great talking to you. Everybody have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.